Is anything safe to touch in this world without getting sucked into a story? A little predictability would be nice. There must be some sort of connection between the strings and the books and the seeds in the library as well. At least we're away from that old codger. I beg your pardon? You brought your whole caravan through the story? It was enchanted by my guild for such travels. Incredible. Wait, where's the... Does it stay with you when you go into a story or does it reappear on the other end? What do those inscriptions over the door mean? Hey, look at this. Madeline? Excuse me. Of course. Where are you going? I don't see it. Well, the enchantment is probably... Not the caravan. The tree where we came out of the library. I don't see it. Well, I'm sure we can ask him. I'm not asking him for anything. He got us lost. Uh, ask me for what? None of your business. You said lost was a problem we could solve. You seem quite upset. I said it's none of your business. You may be surprised at what I could offer two world walkers who have been to the Library of Souls. Well, perhaps it is indeed my business. In fact, I've devoted my life to studying such things. <gasps> it's beautiful. It looks like a planetarium. It is said that each of us is born into a story. These stories have existed long before us and will continue to exist long after we are gone. As the ages pass, the stories shift and change, but the core, the core remains the same. When you die, your soul takes what it has learned and passes to another story, and on and on, until your soul, with all its accumulated knowledge, can pass into a different plane of existence becoming one of the great weavers who craft new stories for the souls to come. The Library of Souls is where we originate from and where we return to. My order honors this great cycle and our soul's path by collecting some of these stories and sharing them. We learn the art of spinning. A thread? Another sample from the story we passed through. Just a small piece. Not enough to remember and honor the tale that someone tread. When I share the story, the thread grows. It keeps the tale when my memory goes. That's... (laughs) What troubles you? It's just that the library... Don't. The library... It was being destroyed slowly somehow from the inside. We were chased by... There were creatures. Creatures? Did they appear infected by some malady? How could you possibly know that? They had yellow-green eyes and a rotting smell. They were... possessed, it seemed. These creatures... They didn't touch you, did they? Uh... (laughs) They sure tried. It has become imperative that we take some kind of action. Oh, we cannot wait any longer. Your arrival, the 
decimation of the library, the haze, the head of my order will be able to aid us. As far as I know, she is located over- Us? We aren't following you anywhere. But- But what? All this faith, trust, and pixie dust is going to get us killed. Shall I teach you how to do it? Obtaining the threads? Oh, could you? <laughs> I could certainly try. Yes, please! It's magic. We could do magic, or something like it anyway. This would give us a way to control when and where we enter stories. It can only help us. <sighs> Fine. But no tricks. Wouldn't dream of it. <sighs> Think hard now. When you enter a story, what does it feel like? There's a falling sensation in the pit of my stomach. It, it feels like I'm being dragged downward. Then it feels like I pass through layer after layer of gossamer. Like a spider web, but not sticky. Until I gently land in that world. Go on. As the story progresses, I feel that same gossamer sensation again as the world shifts. Very good. As you move through the tale, begin to focus your mind on the core of that tale, what you believe it's truly telling you. Imagine plucking a single strand as you pass through the layers. No more than that. Uh, how do we know we're not going to become more lost on the other side? There's no such thing, is there? Can't be more lost than lost. Not helpful. Let me find a new thread. Ah, here we are. Are you ready? Absolutely. Yeah. Another extraordinary failure. God, I don't understand. You answered the great Rabbi Eliyahu, you answered Lo, you answered Velosian. Why do you not answer me? You, you mocking, stand-alone miracle. You answered my mother. You came to life when she called you. She was no rabbi or seminal prophet. What brought your generous spirit to her side that scorned mine? If only you could spill her secrets, little protector. Look at you. Decades of life in a small, soft clay, just as smooth as the day you were crafted. Truly one of God's follies that so much power should fall to a plaything. No speech, no understanding, no blood. Yet golems are blessed as puppet masters. Oh, stop your whining. You have nothing to protest. 
<laughs> Foolish creature. What is it that makes you so angelically touched? Hmm? Tell me. My mother carried no magic. If she had, she never would have died. So what is it then? Why does God choose you and not me? Why can I wield the winds of alchemy better than any soul alive, but my power crumbles under your clay? <laughs> Perhaps my father was right. Perhaps I am accursed. Did you kill her? My mother? Is that the secret? Did she pour her soul into your body to save mine? Of course you don't know. It's been 35 years since the lake. 35 years of wonders and failings. 35 years of writing names in the Book of Life on Rosh Hashanah and watching as God mercilessly took thousands of innocents. There must be an end to it. If only I could... <coughs> What is happening? <coughs> Stop that! Stop that! Now! Do not break your jar! <coughs> stop! I said stop! No! 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 I won't... I won't throw away my life! We have so much to do. Come here. Never do that again. Do you understand? Good. Changes in the air. I can feel it and you will not take it from me. Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kivod Malkuto Le'elam Ba'ed, Amen. Teddy, shall we pick up where we left off yesterday? You're right, there really isn't anything better to do. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 20. God is threatening Moses, not for the first time. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. I have put before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life if you and your offspring would live by loving your God, heeding God's commandments, and holding fast to God. For thereby you shall have life and shall long endure upon the soil that Adonai swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. If only God kept such promises. 
Good morning, Dr. Altman. How fares my favorite patient? No better than yesterday, nor the day before, nor the day before that. Hana. I don't know what you expect me to say. I expect nothing of you except rest. You know that. You've not asked me if our latest examinations yielded any results. I don't see the purpose. You don't see the purpose of knowing what is happening to you? I don't see why it matters if no one can cure me. Have you given up hope? I don't know. Hana. I'm exhausted, Dr. Altman. I cannot take another day of everyone pretending I'm going to heal. I cannot take one more smile or prayer from people who are waiting to turn around and spread the latest gossip. Have you heard them? I have. Remarkable what people think you cannot hear once they're out of your sight. As though I need my eyes to hear the whispers outside my window. Hana Nisim is cursed. Hana carries God's wrath. Even Dr. Altman cannot find a cure for this child. Perhaps she broke upon her father's grave and carries his dibbuk in her heart. Did you touch your father's corpse and allow his spirit to possess you? Of course not. Then you are no dibbuk. <laughs> well, I never said I wa- Never mind. Do you wish me to stop trying and simply let disease ravage you? You don't understand. It's not my hope that concerns me. Ah, uh, no mother would ever abandon her child to illness. Least of all yours. But it's killing her. Every moment with me is a moment she can't look after herself. She's not eating. She's not sleeping. And every time she prays over my bedside, I know a piece of her dies when those prayers are not answered. Do you still pray? What do you think? I think that Nuck, stowed under your pillow, sees more of your love than you'd care to admit. I don't believe I use it for prayer anymore. What do you mean? Prayer implies faith. In God, at least, if not in the miraculous. Otherwise, you're not really praying to anyone or for anything. I don't have faith anymore. Especially not in a god that promises life in exchange for love and then fails to deliver that promise. You still have life, Hana. This isn't life. I'm not living. I'm waiting to die. It's different. It is, but being ill has nothing to do with that difference. There are plenty of healthy people walking around this village waiting to die instead of living. That's life in poverty. Especially in the shtetl. In some ways, your illness is a blessing. It's made you aware of the fleeting nature of this world. In that case, I wish for ignorance. My daily serenade. I've asked them to stop, but they insist upon it. Their prayers do you no harm. Why stop them? They displease me. Ah. What? Nothing. <laughs> It simply seems to me that a young woman who spent most of her childhood singing alongside the most devoted in our town might have ulterior suspicions of the devout. Perhaps you want them to cease because their prayers prolong your life? Even if I believed that, what would be so wrong in the longing? We don't shorten life, Hana. Not ever. But if it's inevitable... Anyone who destroys a human life is considered as if he had destroyed an entire world. And anyone who preserves a human life is considered to have preserved an entire world. 
Sanhedrin. So do you keep me alive for my sake then, or for yours? Hana. Apologies. What is it for then? What? The Tanakh. Why persist in reading Holy Scripture, if not for prayer? Some days, I'm unsure. Other times, it feels cyclical. How so? Every year, we read the same passages on the same days in the same order. They're always chanted the same way. The stories always end the way we know they will. I suppose it's a relief to have something reliable at hand. <laughs> what? It is a relief indeed. Ooh, apologies for the chill. The weather doesn't care much for our struggles. It's fine, Mother. I've told you, you don't need to accommodate me. Yes, I do. Boker Tov, Dr. Altman. Boker Tov, Mira. How fares our girl today? How do you think? Ohana, please. Truthfully, I haven't had a chance to go over my findings with your daughter. She's having a bit of a stubborn morning. Oh, she's always having a stubborn morning. Uh, but I may as well, now that you're both here. Hannah, with your permission... <coughs> I'll accept that. Uh, let's start with a bit of encouraging news, I think. At the moment, it appears Hannah's condition isn't worsening. And the bad news? It's also not improving. <coughs> uh, yes, unfortunately, that's correct. Do you know anything more about what's causing it? <sighs> I'm afraid my results are still... inconclusive. I see. I'm sorry, Mira. Ima, it's all right. Ima? I want to speak to my daughter, Doctor. Alone, please. Of course. I'll wait just outside. Please. Take your time. Mother, why- I cannot understand it. How can he know nothing? Oh, oh, oh It's oh. all right. I didn't expect answers from him. He is a doctor. He is our doctor. By rights, he is the smartest man in our village, next to our blessed rabbi. Oh, if he cannot cure you, if he cannot even tell us what is wrong, then what good does he bring? That's not fair, Ima. It's in our family. No one has ever been able to cure it. Perhaps if he knew I was not the first? No, you must never speak of it. Shush. Why? Jacob, get away from that window. You'll tempt the evil eye. You need to ask why? You understand, they already think I'm cursed, yes? You are not cursed, Hanale. You mustn't think that. Why else would it only claim our family? I don't know. Jacob, I will not tell you again. Is that why you left Safta's village and came here? Because of the family illness? Did they make you leave? It was too difficult to walk down the street and have children run at the sight of me. Ima. Do you feel better for knowing? No. I feel worse. 
That is why some things are best kept quiet. Do you still have faith? In God? In Dr. Altman. I don't believe it's his fault that I cannot be cured. He cannot be expected to invent medicine that does not exist. He's not magic. You're right. He is not. Ema? Doctor? May I come in? Yes, please. I hope everything is all right. I want to try something new. What are you talking about? Mira, I plan to continue to search for answers, but we've tried all the latest treatments. Even the city physicians don't have a cure for this sort of lung disease. I believe our best course of action is to treat the symptoms until we can diagnose- I cannot watch my daughter waste away in bed any longer while you fail to help her. Mother, that's not fa- <coughs> If she stays here and we do nothing, she will die. I cannot let her die. And where would you wish to take her? Outside of the village. To the house on the shaded hill. No. No, absolutely not. If you will not take her, I will. That woman is dangerous. Her methods hold no basis in science or logic. Her experiments... An experiment has a better chance of saving my daughter than staring at her blood and waiting for it to speak to you. Stop. Who is this doctor? A man An alchemist. Dr. Cohen was a respected member of the community once. Over time, her methods became outdated. She didn't believe in the medical progress of the city hospitals. That doesn't make her dangerous. No, but a commitment to alchemy and magic does. I don't believe in magic. That matters little if the person treating you does. It makes them careless. It kills patients. Once, years ago. Once is far too often. What happened? It doesn't matter. What matters is that a young woman lost her life at the hands of that thing. Her parents made sure the vile doctor left the village that night and the doctor never returned. Oh, not again. I want to see this, Dr. Cohen. I don't care about the risk. Hannah, if she fails... Then I will die. Just the same as I will die in this bed. Hannah, please. It's the truth, Ema. If we're going to allow ourselves to believe in magic, at least let me hold that truth. No more pretending. Very well. If that is your choice... But I must insist on accompanying you. I as well. No, Ema. You must stay here. But... Please. If anything happens to me, I don't want anyone to think you were involved. I don't want you to lose another home. Anna. I will not go if you insist on coming. Uh, all right. I will stay. I'll fetch my horse and wagon. Everything will be all right, Ima. One way or another. Here, take this with you. Your necklace? No, I can't. For good luck. Your softa gave this to me on her deathbed. 
It's kept me safe all these years. I need to believe it will keep you safe now. Keep it close. The glass holds the words of the Shema, wrapped around God's true name. It will keep you close to the light. A Shem? Ima, I don't believe in totems or magic or spiritual nonsense. I know you don't believe, but I do. Please, for me. All right. I promise to keep it close. Ich hab dir lieb, Hanaleh. Unexpected surprise. You've been listening to Feminist Fairy Tales, an audio drama podcast that reimagines the genre of fairy tales through a feminist lens. This episode was performed by Moira Todd, Max Hertzfield, Roberta Jackson, and Claudia Zajic. Episode script by Rachel Layson. Sound design by Christina Menente. Thank you to our cultural consultants, Kenzie Hinkle and Cantor Josh C. Perlman. Interlude performed by Andrew Quilpa, Jenny Grinnell, and Madeline Regina. Interlude script by Madeline Regina and interlude sound design by Van Winkle. Feminist Fairy Tales is produced by Madeline Regina, Van Winkle, Jenny Grinnell, Madeline Dorta, and Emma Love. Theme music composed and produced by Juliana Marin. We'll see you in two weeks for the second half of this tale. Thank you for joining us in the forest of feminist fairy tales.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.